Hey, it's Coach Colette. So have you ever thought about going plant-based, but thought it might be either too expensive, too much work, or you wouldn't be able to find food that tasted good? Trust me, I've been where you are now. But I'm here to tell you that it is possible. And in this Coach Chat episode, I have a conversation with my friend, L.A. Dunn. She is the founder of Black Girls Eat, and she is determined to prove wrong all of those assumptions and to debunk all of your myths and misconceptions about plant-based eating. Now, L.A. and I are both ambassadors for Splendid Spoon, which is a plant-based meal delivery service. And that's how I came to become a more plant-based diet aficionado. In this episode, we also talk about the struggles that we as people of color often face when it comes to making healthy food choices because we're more likely to live in food deserts. That means not having access to whole grains, vegetables, and other healthy foods. We also talk about the fact that it still is possible to hold on to your family and cultural food traditions while still maintaining a healthy lifestyle. So if you have ever thought about changing your diet, looking at different food options, remixing your family recipes, this is the episode for you. L.A. and I are excited to take you on a journey to explore plant-based living and debunk all of the myths and misconceptions that you may have. So get ready, tune in, and listen up to this episode on Coach Chat. Today, I'm really excited to talk about yeah. you and your journey. Yay. And I think we're also both Bronx girls. What? BX all day. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Every neighborhood, every corner. Where are you from? I grew up outside of Co-op City, so I'm from the Valley, right? Oh, and I absolutely. went to Truman High School. So. Ooh, Truman High School. Well, I am a dog's neck girl now, uh, but I definitely, I lived everywhere. Kingsbridge. Fordham Road, Burnside University, went to junior high school in Riverdale. Yeah, I'm a Bronx, Bronx girl. Oh, go Truman. But I went to high school in Manhattan. I had to go. I begged my father to sign the paper so that I could go to Murray Bertram High School in Manhattan because I just had to get out of the Bronx. By the time I was in eighth grade, I was like, I need to go to Manhattan. <laughs> and I remember taking the subway all the way, you know, from the Bronx to the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, and then I remember I had my Bronx wardrobe you know, which was very hip hop, which is very, you know, in the Bronx, the girls had the Nikes and the Lee jeans. And I got to Murray Bertram High School and they all looked like mini versions of salt and pepper. Like everyone's hair was cut on an angle. There were tall leather boots and skirts, you know, and I was like, they all look like they could have been on the cover of Essence magazine. And I felt like, I remember third period, I was in the bathroom just crying. I couldn't wait to go home and beg my parents like to take me back to school shopping again <laughs> because I was not ready for Manhattan <laughs> and I was not ready. Murray Bertram 
all the girls came from Queens and Brooklyn. And so it was like, they had all the flavor. They had all the styles. Yeah. Got it. But, got it. That's so funny. The, the Borough Wars, right? That <laughs> sort of thing. The Borough Wars. It's yeah. True. It's true. And it's funny because for me, like I live in Brooklyn now. So when people ask me where I'm from, right, I'll say New York City. But then if we have to get into the Borough conversation, I have to say, okay, is are my family within earshot? <laughs> you gotta represent the Bronx all day, every day. It's true. I let people know good things come out of the Bronx for sure, for sure. And you know, black girls eat. You know, I will tell you, I have been a creative my whole life. I've been a writer. You know, it was really funny to me when blogging started because I didn't know how to blog. I wanted to write books. I wanted to do a bunch of stuff. And it was my brother who really was like, you should blog. I love the way you sound. I love the way you write. And so, um, my last name before I was married was Dry, D-R-Y-E. And I used to have a blog called Wash and Dry. And so I used to air out all the dirty laundry that happens in the office, all the things that annoy you about work. I really started, um, when I started not feeling well, that was like the beginning of like my leaning into plant-based nutrition. So I've said this many times and I'm happy to share it again, but essentially, I spent a year just in pain, like from head to toe, like everything hurt, fingers, ankles. I couldn't understand what was going on. And I did go to a couple of physicians who were kind of like, well, you know, not really definitive, um, you know, and I think, you know, you can't live your life popping over the counter medicine, you know, and I definitely was like Advil, Tylenol, PMs, you know, just trying to do whatever. And I finally went to a rheumatologist. And why did I go to a rheumatologist? Because I saw a commercial with Queen Latifah and her mom talking about rheumatoid arthritis. And I said to myself, what if that's it, right? I don't know. So I went and I looked for a rheumatologist. I looked for a person of color and I found Dr. Maggie Cadet in Manhattan. And she was the first person to really like listen to me. And we talked a lot about women advocating for their health advocating for themselves, finding a physician that will partner with you. Um, and so she ran every test she could think of. She was like, we're going to get to the bottom of this because you need to have peace and quality of life. And so I was gung-ho for all the exams. And then when the results came in, I was like panicked because I was like, wait a minute, I don't really want to know. Like, What if she found something like for real? But, you know, she led with the positive. She was like, you don't have lupus. You don't have cancer. You don't have autoimmune diseases, right? But what I do see are really high inflammation markers. And that's something we should talk about because, and then that's how I figured out what, what are inflammation markers and why do people have inflammation in their body? You know, everybody's body is different. Right. Um, and I'm sure there are people with high levels of inflammation and they're, they're all right. Me, I was like, something's going on. And so I started looking at what foods cause inflammation. That was the beginning. And you know, I have been a third grade teacher, a seventh grade teacher, a middle school assistant principal. I've done marketing, I've done public relations, I've done a million gigs, right? But I'm always, and I'm always a lifelong learner. So the minute I heard about inflammation, I started looking at foods that cause inflammation. And at the top of the list was meat and dairy, alcohol. You know, the jury's out on coffee. I heard coffee causes inflammation, then I heard it doesn't cause, you know, who knows? You know, I think every, for every, Plus there's a minus, you know, if you want to, you know, you can come up with an idea and then find the data to support it. Right. Right. So I just took 10 days of taking all of that out of my system. Right. 
And I think I took out flour too. And I just did like plants and grains and, you know, and then, but I, I was thinking like by day five or six or so, I felt better. Like I went to sleep naturally, probably because I didn't have any coffee, right? I was like, whatever. But I didn't have the same amount of aches and pains. And that really ex- made me excited. It made me like do 10 days, 20 days, 30 days. You know, I was talking to my husband. I was like, all right. So then I just slowly like, I feel like I just gave up the meat. I just feel like I just never went back to that. I, I think I never went. I think I went to uh, Memphis, Tennessee, like a year after. And I was with a bunch of friends who were like, you're in Memphis. You got to try this, you know, Barbecue. And, and I just didn't, I felt horrible. And so I really was like, no, I'm, I'm done. Like I, that's never going to be on my plate any, anymore. I, I don't want to do that. And then, so I just started looking at like, um, then I started looking at classes and I found the center for nutrition studies, um, and Colin T Campbell and those folks were doing introduction to plant-based nutrition classes. I took three of those and really like started to understand like what was the whole foods plant-based movement, how it started, how, um, how it looks in the U S and how it looks around the world. Um, and then I started thinking about me being a black girl, you know, I'm from the Bronx, my family's from the South. My husband's family is from the Caribbean and, you know, um, food is what brings us together right. <laughs> and our culture. And I thought, started thinking like, wow, my husband was the first to like, just totally, I live in a food supportive household. Like he was like, we're not doing meat. Then we're not doing meat. It was great. I got to have a 10 year old. She was seven at the time. And so um, I just started remixing my plate and looking for new and interesting ways to eat. I definitely started feeling better and I started looking better and, I was laughing because I was in the supermarket with my husband one day and I said, I heard all about this quinoa. Apparently it has so much protein, almost like you don't need to eat like meat. And he was like, babes, I love you, but it's pronounced quinoa. And that was like, so hysterical. (laughs) That was hysterical. Oh my God. There's a commercial on TV about that. Like how, how people can't pronounce the word. I'm going to I keep saying I'm going to uh like do something with that commercial because I think it's so funny um so that was that and I started joking with him and I said to him you know what I'm gonna make um a, a company called Black Girls Eat because I bet you there's other Black girls like me who don't know what whole foods plant-based nutrition is who hear these terms all the time and like where is their ambassador to help them unpack what it is? And, you know, where's the person that will help them understand that you don't have to be, you know, sometimes food gets so scientific, you know, it gets really scientific. I met someone the other day who was like, are you counting your macros? And listen, I don't count calories. I'm definitely not counting macros. I, I don't really, I just, I can't. And I think the everyday person like myself, that's the kind of stuff that becomes a barrier. Like, it's like, I don't know all the rules, right? Or, you know, um, I have to have a lot of money, right? It's like, oh, if I'm eating clean or I'm eating plant-based, you know, it could be wildly expensive. And I think like with most things, you know, uh, my brother and I have this joke. It's like, people say eating healthy is expensive. And I say, so is heart surgery, right? So, right? So I think if you, when I before COVID, when I was shopping with my clients, And even now, you know, just showing people how you can eat healthy meals, you can, you know, still get down in the kitchen, right, and be known for putting it down in the kitchen, 
but you can remix your plate in a way that's just healthier for you and healthier for the family. Got and it. I named the company Black Girls Eat because all of this, this information is helpful to everyone. But I personally am specifically focused on Black people, my family who have diabetes, coronary heart disease, and because that's who I am. And I feel like if you have an opportunity to be a superhero for your community, then that's what it is, right? I want to be the ambassador. I want the person to say, you know, I said the other day, we have a thousand, over a thousand vegetables available to us, but we keep eating the same five or six. And that could be because of what we know, because of what we find in the supermarket on the corner, right? And so like, I'm here to say, let me show you these other 895, right? It's like, and that, and I love doing it. That's the other thing. I'm having the time of my life right now, you know, um, talking about food and remixing plates and helping people on their journey. A lot of times when I'm coaching folks, I find, and I'm sure you do too, that it starts out about food and then it turns into like this whole other thing, right? Right, um, right. yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and so with Black Girls Eat and Miss Avocado here, she inspires me, the logo. Miss Avocado inspires me to write children's books, to create animation, to do a lot of really cool things in, in those spaces, to continue to like, now, like you have my voice as an ambassador for plant-based nutrition, but so is Miss Avocado, right? right? And I think right. that, you know, I was having a conversation with someone about COVID and how it really ripped through the black and brown community because so many of us had pre-existing conditions that we couldn't even fight that battle. Um, and I thought deeply about that. Like, yeah, you know what? This is a reset for everybody, right? And so if you are not good with the way you were shopping and how you were cooking and you need a coach, Coach Colette, right? Coaching is like the best, the best gig to have, right? Because you celebrate people for where they are. You're there to celebrate with them on their successes. You know, um, and if along the way they, you know, they start teaching other people, that's even better, right? right. And I'm a big believer in each one teach one, you know? Right. And right. so for Black Girls Eat, I'm always like thinking about, like when I work with brands, when I have partnerships, you know, I'm always thinking about where, where can we place Black Girls Eat so more people can find me and know that there are so many supports. Like when I started leaning into plant-based nutrition, I met so many vegans and vegetarians who just helped me so much. Um, because I was like, what? Vegan, veganism, veganism, pescatarian, flexitarian. I mean, it was just trippy. And I realized at the end of the day, I wanna be a plant-based advocate. I wanna advocate for more people to put more plants on their plate. Yeah, this you've said so much and I, I want to like unpack a lot of what you talked about. And what's interesting to me about what you're talking about, I resonate with the personal journey, right? Uh, I went from eating meat to not eating meat to then only eating fish and then now have transitioned to primarily plant-based. And part of that was actually via Splendid Spoon, mm. where I particularly not around meat, more around dairy, right? So I think it was, I had been pretty much a pescatarian for a while. And then when I connected with Nicole and became the ambassador for Splendid Spoon, it was, I had that similar experience of feeling good and less, you know, congestion, mucus with, with, by taking out dairy. And let me tell mm -hmm. you, cheese Ooh. to me 
was like, you know, food group, right? So cheese, yes. seriously. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, and then, so it, it is interesting when we think about, right, how our body responds to certain things, either mm-hmm. the presence of certain things or mm-hmm. the lack of certain things and how that makes a difference in how we feel. Um, and yeah. I think it's interesting, and you mentioned that that you're also a mom and and a wife. So, how has your family adopted, or have they adopted this plant based approach to eating? Yeah, what's really funny is my daughter, when she was seven and eight, she was much more malleable, right? So now she's ten; she's got full awareness, you know. So she'll come in the kitchen and say, "Like that looks really good. Is this all organic? Is this vegan? Like, what's happening with this meal?" Like. <laughs> She wants to know. I think for the most part, she's like a diehard, like turkey taco Tuesday girl. Like, but I have to say she's eating way better, far better than I did when I was 10 years old. I mean, Taryn will break down and make a kale lemon salad. You know, she will break down and like, she can really like when she gets in the kitchen, she, she loves to taste things. And I think she loves the autonomy of like, I could hook something up. And as I said, you know, I, I do live in a, a food supportive household. My husband early on, when I mean, we were dating an early marriage, I mean, every day there was meat on the plate. It was, you know, meatloaf Monday and taco Tuesday and, you know, Wellington beef Wednesday, maybe, you know, there was, there was always something on the plate, but he made a decision like two years ago that he would just be a pescatarian. He was like, I'm good. As long as I have salmon, shrimp, you know, flounder, you know, as long as we could do seafood and vegetables and grains, I'm good. And so that was really, really great because I do have some clients who are making three meals, you know, one for their kids and one for the hubby and one for themselves. And so I did a workshop last year where we strategized around that, where we just made all the foods and then like my clients ate the the sides, you know, and had a good old time with the brown rice and the mushrooms and the, you know, green beans and the sweet potatoes and all the other stuff on the side and just left the meats alone. And eventually, you know, that helps save the day. But yeah, but that's all the strategy stuff that I talk about a lot with families, like how to make this really real. Um, I have an activity that we do in my five-day class where the first thing you do is empty out your refrigerator uh, because I believe every fridge tells a story. I think I'm very much into digging underneath the data. Like, what does your refrigerator say about you? And it is hilarious when people (laughs) unveil all the stuff that's in the fridge. Five bottles of salsa, six salad dresses, you know, some old cheese, you know, whatever it is. But you see what's missing. I think that's the big aha moment for a lot of my clients. They're like, wow, I didn't even realize that I shopped like that. I didn't realize, right? And so I love giving people these strategies to, to, to do their own work. Yes. Yes. I think that's very interesting. I think one of the first collaborations with Splendid Spoon was that kind of fridge reveal. And I remember there's a blog article of me and I had to take a picture of what was in my fridge and, and it is interesting to think about it. And yeah, as you make the shift in how you eat, right? Then how you shop and what is there and and what are your comfort foods? I think that that's interesting. I don't, oh, I'd love yeah. to hear your thoughts on that in terms of as you make shifts, how do you still get that same enjoyment from your food? 
and I think then also the double-edged sword a little bit with comfort food is right are you using food as a coping mechanism or as a way to nourish your body right listen haven't we all haven't we all come home from a crazy day and just crawled up on the sofa listen I am one of the biggest fans of Twizzler candies you'll ever meet and I don't care what's happening in a plant-based universe uh when I'm feeling like that there will be some Twizzlers on the scene uh my friends from college will tell you Twizzlers help me get out of school. <laughs> but um, I think that uh, I'm a big snacker. And one of the, that's the first area that I attacked when I started leaning into plant-based nutrition. So I love hummus and tortilla chips. And so I decided to teach myself how to make hummus and tortilla chips, right? Because I was like, I don't really know what's in this bag of tortilla chips. That's the other thing, you know, when you're trying to figure out why your body is hurting, um, you start, well, I did, I started investigating everything. I started reading every label. Like, I don't know, they put a stamp on this and they call it food. I don't know what's, what this is, right? So I started thinking, well, the fewer the ingredients, especially if I could take control of the ingredients, then I might be okay, right? And so when COVID hit, uh, you know, you couldn't find any tortilla chips in the store. All the bags were gone, but the actual fresh corn tortillas were still around. I say this all the time, I couldn't believe it. Stacks and stacks and stacks of corn tortillas were around last March. And so I took a bag home. They were like $3 for the whole bag. There was like 80 corn tortillas. I cut them into triangles. And first I used oil and then I stopped using oil and I put them in the oven and then that was that. And I couldn't believe it. So I was like, anytime I feel like it, I can make my own tortilla chips. And the same thing with hummus. I used to always buy hummus, which is like five or $6 for the container. And you know, a one can of chickpeas is like 99 cents in my neighborhood. So once I started doing that, like making my own hummus and then making lemon hummus and red pepper hummus and garlic hummus, you know, and, you know, playing around with all the ingredients, like that was like the bomb, you know, um, making snacks, making roasted chickpeas. I never thought to like put chickpeas in the oven and put them with all the garlic and onion powder and paprika and then like basil and let them roast in the oven. And now like I'm popping chickpeas like I used to pop potato chips. This is unreal. And so definitely, even talking about comfort zone for me, I was a snacker. So roasted chickpeas or hummus and tortilla chips are a big one. Um, I think that the cheese thing is real. Like me and cheddar cheese, I was like, I have to break up. I'm doing an uh, Instagram reel. Me and Usher, you know, you got to let it burn. <laughs> You're like, it's like, you got to let it burn. But, you know, I also am honest with folks. Like I've tried a lot of products that I don't think are great. You know, I'm not on a mission to replicate food. Like if I can't have cheese, I'm just not going to have cheese. But I did find one or two companies that I like their mozzarella and maybe a little Colby. And so like when I really, really want to have that, you know, I'll do that. And same thing for these plant-based burgers you know, and plant-based sausages and meatballs, like people who are moving away from processed foods are moving toward those foods, which are also processed foods. So you got to kind of like do everything with balance, you know, it's hard to say, I'm just not like for me, 4th of July is usually the time when I'm like, I am having a plant-based sausage on a roll with sauerkraut and mustard, because that is definitely the vibe for fourth of july for me but that's not every week and it's not every month it's just like it's a cool thing so that's what i think about those products too like if it can help you get from point a to b then i think you should do it if you gotta have a plant-based burger 
So that you feel like you had that, you know, then you should knock yourself out. But I, I don't know that I would be saying like, I don't know if they're, you know, if they're the way to go like every day, all day, just like any right. other food, you know, any right. other food, I, you know, I right. wouldn't say. Right. I would agree in terms of the fact that I do eat plant-based burgers, although not the newer ones, right? I've been eating plant-based and I know that even Splendid Spoon has partnered with Dr. Prager's, for example, right? So I've been eating Dr. Prager's for a while and they, at least the ones that I've eaten, they're not designed to replicate meat, right? So I think it is very interesting depending on where you are in the journey, right? So people that are on that journey where they still need that texture, they still need that meat-like experience, then yes, that's probably appropriate. For me, when I've been at say events, again, pre-COVID, but when you've know when you when you've got the like the hors d'oeuvres being passed yeah. around and it's like, oh, these are, you know, plant-based sliders or these are plant-based meatballs. I'm always like almost afraid because I'm like, okay, are you sure? Because this tastes too much like meat or it looks too much like meat. Like I'm afraid that I'm actually eating meat and I don't know it. So there is that as well. Yeah. I mean, I actually have fun making like um, black bean and brown rice burgers and things like that. And I love showing people how to, to use what you have in the cabinet or the pantry already to make some of your yummy meals um, because uh, there's an equity and access issue, you know, if, can you afford these meals, right? It's like, I'm going to buy four plant-based sausages for $9. Like, really? I have like other things to buy. Right. And so I'm always down to like help folks figure out how can you get to where you want to go with what you already have? I don't want people to feel like if you want to start running, I don't want you to feel like you got to buy a $200 pair of sneakers. It's the same thing with plant-based nutrition. I don't want people to feel like they have to go out and spend $500 on designer food in order to eat well, feel well, and live well. Um, I used to, one of the first meals, one of the first uh, side dishes we used to make in my classes was this black bean corn salsa because almost everyone had a can of black beans, had some kind of corn and some type of diced tomatoes, right? And so we had to go out and maybe buy a little piece of cilantro for $1.99 and a lime. But by the time you did the black beans, the corn, the, the diced tomatoes, the cilantro and the lime, like now you have like this amazing little, you could put it on the side of your salmon, you could have it with your chips. And just, I get really excited when people see their cabinets differently and their pantries different. Like, oh my gosh, I actually do have so much here that I could use, right? Instead of being like, oh, you have nothing go shopping, you know, it's just not cool. It's just not cool. I'm here to alleviate stress. I'm not trying to bring stress and anxiety to to anybody. So if you're anything like me, you've probably set some New Year's intentions or resolutions about wanting to be healthy after the holidays and start the new year off right. Well, why not swap out your short-term resolutions for long-term healthy habits? Join me in the 21-day Splendid Spoon Reset Program. You can sign up by January 10th to unlock all of the tools, meaning products and content that will help you to build lasting healthy habits. They will include tips on nutrition, gut health, skin care, and you know my favorite, mental health. You can start your wellness journey with me 
on day one and follow along for 21 days. We'll help you to create your whole body wellness action plan and guide you on a holistic journey of physical, mental, and emotional well-being. Be sure to check out the links in the show notes. What you'll need to do is subscribe to Splendid Spoon and get their healthy meals. And then you can sign up for the 21-day Splendid Reset. And over three weeks, you'll get help and advice from experts and discounts from wellness partners such as Hum, True Botanicals, and Parsley Health. Will you join me on this 21-day Splendid Reset? Right, right. And then when we think about particularly in communities of color, there are often food deserts, right? So what are your thoughts on that and how can a plant-based approach either help with that or does it make it more challenging in those areas? It's interesting. One of my clients told me she takes a bus and goes to a better neighborhood to get her groceries. I feel like you got to do what you got to do. I think that's really interesting. She was like, I realized I passed this neighborhood every time I come home from work. And so I got off one day and I went in their supermarket and got everything that I wanted. I think that I have really honest conversations with people about getting food delivery at home, right? So now we have Whole Foods and Amazon Fresh and BJ's and Costco's delivering. And yet there's still people who are not comfortable putting their credit card and, and, you know, online or people not comfortable. And there's some neighborhoods that don't get delivery, right? It's like you type in a zip code and they say, we don't go there. And so I, I try to encourage all of us to work together to be solutions driven, right? Because we could just say all day, you know, I have a, a colleague, um, she is doing a television show called uh, Bodega Makeover. And she's going around the country remixing bodegas, which, you know, in a lot of urban cities, that's the, the store, you know, that's the 24 hour on the corner. That's where you get everything, right? And so if she could help these store owners figure out how to put the healthier items up front and make healthier food choices, that could be like incredible. So, you know, I definitely feel like it's worth acknowledging that it exists. It's worth being in partnership with folks who want to solve that problem. And I think that is something that we really have to be honest about like, okay, that's on the corner. So what, what, what can I do? Right. What can, what can I do? And this young lady said, well, I, I'm going to a different neighborhood to shop. Right. And, and by the way, she stopped in her neighborhood supermarket and showed them what she got in that other supermarket. And so they might have her oat milk in the new supermarket. So I think there's a lot of that too. Um, you know, here in the Bronx, there's a company called Next Stop Vegan, the first vegan um, restaurant uh, Dominican food ever, right? They're in Parkchester in the Bronx and they were online yesterday talking about shopping and what does it look like in different neighborhoods. And I think that's bomb because then you build this like collective awareness around what is available where. And then folks who stock these stores start thinking differently, like, oh my gosh, like everybody's going to the left. I want them over here. And so, yeah, getting to know your local person, you'd be surprised. You know, I think, I believe the best intentions in most people which is probably why I'm not a guru somewhere in, in, you know, corporate America. But I do believe, I think, you you know, you see the same people in the supermarket every day. I think you show the guy the oatmeal, you show the, the person, you know, uh, something that you were interested in having. I, you, you, you might be surprised at how they add it to the, right. to the groceries. Yeah, right. you, you I might love be surprised. That. 
it's like power power to the shopper it's like shopper empowerment like doing Absolutely. doing the discovery finding what yes. works and then advocating i love that and i love that i feel like that there's there's like on that bodega re redo mm -hmm, thing mm -hmm. i think it would be interesting to be like yeah bodega redo just even based off of your black bean salsa right so it's kind of like how you shop the bodega even yeah to get if the things you that you clean, want if you are healthy if you are plant-based it also uh speaking of when you were saying uh dominican and uh and vegan right so mm -hmm. i i also i was out in rockaway mm -hmm. and had a uh pulled jackfruit empanada and was I was just, it was, yes, it was good. Yeah. And I was so like happy that, because usually same thing, you know, you go to certain places, particularly, you know, like where it's just not necessarily fast food, but just like, you know, so you're at the beach or whatever. And usually I go and I think like, oh yeah, I'm not going to be able to eat or, you know, <laughs> I saw French fries. It's like, yeah, all right. I guess I can try the French fries. But then when I saw the pulled jackfruit empanada, I was like, yes, Whoa. I am here for this. So it's <laughs> interesting. And I, what, I'm curious about your thoughts on how we embrace these philosophies or approaches without denigrating our culture, right? So it's not about <laughs> making culture wrong right like, right so right. How, what are your thoughts on yeah. that as in in this approach yeah i feel like this i feel like there have been so many amazing human beings who have rocked soul food soul food vegan i mean we have so much talent in that space right and so yes i mean i've been i've been known to sneak the quinoa into the baked macaroni and cheese absolutely you know so it get extra protein in there. I feel like, you know, and I'm speaking, you know, for our culture, you know, but I feel like there are foods that we love and there are foods that make us remember home and there are foods that make us remember family. And to the degree that you can prepare those meals with a plant-based twist, <laughs> you know, then I think, I think we owe it to ourselves and to our families as ambassadors to do that. You know, I remember the first holiday that I was hosting after remixing my plant-based life and, you know, remixing my foods. And I, I could see it in my family's eyes. Like I could see like, are we going to be starving? Like we're all going to LA's house. Are we going to be hungry? You know? And it's like, nah, like I really, I think it might've been a 4th of July. So I made like some Mexican street corn, you know, I made some salmon, you know, of course there was, you know, potato salad, you know, we could still get down, you know, it's just, you know, that those days of fried pork chops and, you know, big hunks of ham with the pineapple, with the cherries in the middle, like those days are over in my house at least, you know, but I'm not adverse to making meat for the carnivores, you know, if I'm hosting a large group of family members, you know, um, I will prepare something so that everybody is good. But those days, the way we used to eat, like those days are over. Even like making lasagna, lasagna is a big favorite in our house. And once I discovered the edamame noodles that you make the lasagna with, I stopped using the regular wheat noodles, you know? So even that, like just sneaking in plant-based pasta, right? I have chickpea pasta, chickpea spaghetti, like all those kinds of things. Like it's like, it's cool. Like, it's like, everybody's like, wow, that was great. Yeah, it can be great, right? Because good food is good food. And I said this before, I think for the beat, you know, I don't have a cooking mantra, but I always say to people, if it's not burned and if it's not salty, then you probably did all right. Like, just relax. 
Um, so yeah, I think that food is love. Love is food. My food is always made with love. I, I never considered myself a chef. I never considered someone who liked to cook. Not until I really, until I met my husband, my joke all the time when I would meet people and, you know, and guys would say, you know, what do you make? And I say, I make reservations. You know, that was mm, 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 mm. <laughs> five star baby. So, <laughs> which is why I laugh about black girls because I really love going to restaurants. I, I would read Time Out New York. I read New York Times. Any place that had a new restaurant opening, I was always there. But I wasn't buying those foods at home. I wasn't coming home with delicata squash. I wasn't making, you know, uh, portobello mushroom, you know, stuff. But I would al always order that stuff. You know, I just did a, a thing for thebeat.com, right? I just became a contributing editor over there. And I did a piece about beets. I would just never buy beets. I would have them in restaurants. I would have them at parties. But I never thought I would buy them because they always look like purple, dirty rocks in the store, you know? <laughs> But, you know, I started investigating beets and how they are so nutritious for you and how, like, you get, like, oxygen to your blood and, like, all this kind of stuff. And so now I, I buy beets all the time. I'm, oh, I'm, my God. You know, I'm a big fan now. I, I always <laughs> say in all of the posts on Splendid Spoon, it was the first time that I had uh, one of the soups that had the beets in it. And... And it was in the, you know, in the order. And I was like, all right, I'm going to try this. But growing up, you can ask my mom. I was so not the beets girl. Beets, like the smallest, sprouts. The smallest amount that I could like stum stomach so that she wouldn't like get mad. But Is then when, with this, and I was like, and I literally, I think my first post for Splendid Spoon was like, I can't believe you've gotten me to like beets. What? And they have golden beets. The, the yellow orange ones are like amazing. I make a golden beet sweet potato salad. That's like the bomb. Right. And it says an apple cider vinaigrette dressing. What? It's so great. I go blackgirlseat.com. Go check out the recipe. Yes. yes. So, yes. so that's that thing. Yes. That's the thing. It's like you, you know, yeah, you just it's been fun to like stretch myself. Like I used to joke, I, I would go to the farmer's market all the time, but really just to buy apples. Like I really, <laughs> I didn't know what was in that farmer's market. And you know, which is funny because now, I don't know if you know, but I just planted a whole garden in my backyard. So my husband and I bought eight elevated garden beds <laughs> with this partnership with the Stone Barn Center for Food and Agriculture. And they are amazing. They have a working farm and a restaurant, a Blue Hill restaurant. And they launched this program uh, to encourage urban gardening. And uh, they gave me a call and I went to the orientation and we came home and we built these eight garden beds. And when I tell you there's three kinds of onions, three kinds of carrots, I just cut a whole salad of kale and lettuce. It's just been unbelievable to just like go down the driveway and snip and they even have a package for if you like if you live in an apartment or if you have a small balcony so we should definitely talk offline about how to get you connected to that and then wow. this summer they have this chef in residency program and uh renowned chefs go there for a week or two and uh they have some special events so this summer i'll be interviewing a lot of those chefs um and asking similar questions you know what are we doing about food and sustainability and 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 thinking about how how we get food. I think this pandemic, I was reading something, uh, someone wrote a white paper about how it has changed the way we shop for food. I think more people 
are looking for plant-based items in Instacart, online, that kind of stuff. Um, I went to Target because apparently they launched a brand new plant-based line and I got to Target and there was nothing there. And I asked all the employees and they were like, we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so maybe it's coming. I was like, is it because I'm in the Bronx? Like what's going on? Um, but we're gonna see people, I believe, we're gonna see people making moves in those spaces, trying to reach the plant-based consumer. And I just feel like as consumers, we also wanna be smart about the marketing. We wanna be smart about the way things are advertised. Um, we wanna read those labels. You know, I did a whole workshop two years ago just on reading labels. I mean, this is the, this is the tricky stuff for, the, for folks. You know, my daughter was in love with a yogurt one day. She was like, oh my gosh, this yogurt tastes so great, mom. Can you buy me one in every flavor? And I was so excited because I wanna be a good mom and give her a good start to the day. And then something told me to read the label and there was like 22 grams of sugar in this yogurt. And I'm like, I could have gave her a whole Kit Kat bar. Like, what are you talking about? Like, so it's that kind of stuff. You think you're doing great. And people say to me, I only had a salad for lunch, but then it had like a thousand calorie dressing on top of it. Or, you know, like I threw away all my salad dressing bottles. I just threw them all away and started teaching myself how to make different salad dressings because really everything just has olive oil, lemon, salt, and pepper. Like, I don't even know why I was so addicted to all of those. Well, I know why, because they are filled with sugar and they filled with salt, you know? And again, I feel like I'm saving money. People say, oh, plant-based is expensive. Okay, but that salad dressing is expensive too. So I think, you know, this journey has just really shown me that I don't have to be a victim, <laughs> that I can take control of what's on my plate. And if I feel like buying something that's ready-made or pre-made, then I can do that. But if I also feel like making it myself, I can do that too. And that to me just feels great because I don't think I had that level of confidence before. So mm -hmm. definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds very inspiring. And I feel like, yeah, this past year with the pandemic, I feel like I obviously did a lot more uh, preparing slash cooking than I had the year prior. Although I've never really been much of a, I shouldn't say never. I had, I hadn't been a takeout person in in the recent past that much. Right. So I didn't miss that. But yeah, there was something, it was interesting about making every meal. And I think in the beginning of the pandemic where I, where I actually didn't go to the supermarket, so I was getting everything delivered. So I think it was the combination of being stir crazy in the house and having to make every meal. And I didn't notice it until, I don't know, the, so last summer I did like a summer of salads, kind of like you. So I would always, nice. just, by then I was going to the store. So I was like, all right, I was getting the, the greens and making, I was doing my own like oil yeah. kind of dressings. And then one day I think it was cooler and I decided, all right, I'm going to make something. And it was, it was weird. I had this almost like PTSD flashback standing in front of the stove because it, it brought me back to all of those weeks and months of just cooking, you know, pulling something out of the freezer or pulling yes. something out of the refrigerator. So it's very interesting, right? Like the variety of the foods and the variety of options, um, I think can be um, helpful for folks. And I think so too. Getting over that fear and anxiety of, oh, I'm making it wrong or, um, or experimenting, right? I think that that's the fun part. I tend to do that more. I will be honest though, when I'm making for others. 
So I've also been solo quarantining this whole time and I live alone. <laughs> so I feel like my curiosity and experimentation kind of ebbs and flows when it's yes. just me. But if I'm yes. making something for family, I'm like, yeah, I want to buy this and I want to try yeah. that. And so <laughs> that's an interesting thought. And that's why Splendid Spoon is great because then when I don't feel creative, I can just be like, oh, Nicole made this for me. <laughs> Literally. I was going like- to say the same thing. I tell people all the time, they ask me, should I do you know, a plant-based meal delivery service. I'm like, girl, if you can afford it, it can save you some time. You know, sometimes you just want to open the fridge and something is there, right? Because if you open the fridge and it's not there, then, you know, then you feel just, you know, you're not encouraged. Again, I'm always for like, do the best you can to help yourself reach your own goals, right? And so, if spinning for, you know, a plant-based meal service or a meal service is going to help you, then I say go for it. You know, if you can do it, go for it. And plus, you can both use Colette or my, you know, code and you can get discount and spin this spoon. There you go. No, but yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I agree. You you know, you said grocery delivery it was so interesting. Like everyone's like the bread smell like Lysol. Like everybody's wiping everything down. Like the first two months, everybody's like wiping all their products down. But yeah, um, we are cooking differently. And I, I have learned that leaning into plant-based nutrition, it actually expanded my food vocabulary. You know, I just tried some guideline the other day. I went up to the farm and uh, Jason at the farm says to me, you got to try this guideline. It's like Chinese broccoli. It's amazing. And so he leans down, he rips up all of this, this green leafy, beautiful stuff. And you can see right in the middle, like a little head of broccoli. He's like, take it home, saute it, whatever it was, phenomenal. Right. I had never heard of this vegetable in my life. But now when I see it in the farmer's market, I see it in the store, I won't be intimidated. You know, it's the same thing with all these squashes. We used to do this contest in our classes where we say, name five kinds of squash in 30 seconds. Go. Spaghetti uh, uh. squash, zucchini, butternut, uh, acorn. You're like, <laughs> you're like bad. That's delicata. Delicata, got it. That's the time. I was like, I got four. But there's so many, right? And so we laugh about that, right? You know, all the different kinds of the varieties of things, you know. Um, and you know, that idea of taste the rainbow, like not just Skittles, like the whole rainbow. Yeah, we don't have money to throw away and things like that. And you know, you gotta look at your budget and all that stuff, which is why I love being a coach, because I love being able to say. Let's take $20 and go to the store together. I really miss doing that. I really miss doing that. And I'm looking forward to being able to do that, going to farmer's markets with folks. And, you know, I'm, I'm working on a piece right now, like five work from home lunches or five lunches when you go back to work with 10 items, right? The same 10, you know, definitely looking for ways to be helpful to people. I used to not write as much on the blog and now I am. So I, I want to find just more ways to, to say, you know, you got this, you know, you can make these lunches, take them with you if you're going back to the office you know, how to prepare for Father's Day, what's up with 4th of July, you know, what to make for your mother-in-law, you know, whatever, you know, all those things, all the stresses, you know, and then the comedy of it all, you know, I have a relative, it doesn't matter when I show up, she's always like, oh, I don't know if I made anything that you can eat, you know, it's like, what? (laughs) I can eat everything on the table, like, but, you know, people get, like, really weirded out when they hear that you're eating healthy or eating differently, because I think, you know, you feel like, I don't know if they feel like you're, you're going to criticize them for the way they eat and that kind of stuff. And so, right. you know, I'm a, I'm a warm and friendly foodie, you know, this is why Miss Avocado looks the way she looks, you know, I'm very approachable. 
I'm not That's the food funny. police. Right. Mm -mm. But food shaming is real, right? People, yes. right? I think, and sometimes it can be maybe those of us that are early or mid midway in our journeys, right? You've had your epiphany and then there's that sense of, well, okay, I'm going to look down on these people, right? So it's like, I think in some ways that's also sometimes, not for everybody, but for sometimes it can be part of that journey, right? Like to lose the judgment, right? As you're making Absolutely. changes, it's okay that maybe not everybody is in the same place and, you know, remembering what, you know, how challenging it was for you to make your change, right? And not, Absolutely. not shaming others for where they are in their journeys. Absolutely. You know, I have this free ebook. It's like 15 mistakes to avoid. And that's one of them, you know, you, you know, um, I have a client who she started changing the way she eats for like 30 days and didn't tell anybody in her house because it's just too much pressure. Everybody wants to know what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Sometimes you have to keep it to yourself in order to be successful, you know, um, and then not turning into the food police. Right. So you've had an epiphany and now you want to like, you know, and it's all out of love. You know, you love your family, you love your friends and you you discovered this new thing and you you want to tell everybody about it. But sometimes you just got to really chill and, you know, meet people where they are. And so, yeah, definitely, 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 definitely. It happens. It happens. But we're all out here doing the best that we can. And the fact that we're thinking about eating differently today means we're better than we were yesterday. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So we got to take that. One of the questions that I ask all of my guests is what does start within mean to you? Yeah, I've been thinking about that. I think start within makes me think about when you're on the plane and they say, put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then everyone else, right? And so if you wanna live differently, love grander, you know, experience life to the fullest, then you, you know, you want everybody around you to have this abundant joy, uh, then I, it definitely starts with you. I think you have to embody that, you know, you can't be the person saying you should go for your goals and you didn't go for your own, you know? Um, so I think, yeah, starting within, it's like, you've got to be the ambassador for whatever your cause is. If it's healthy eating, mental health, love, child rearing, sister friends whatever your you know whatever your calling is you you gotta you gotta embody that that's how I feel mm -hmm. and I felt like I felt like I started within with black girls eat and that's why I wanted to I wanted to resonate on the planet and I wanted to get it from out out of me out into the world that's amazing I love For that sure. it's like yeah it's like planting the seed and then watching it blossom and and absolutely it grow absolutely into into the flower or into the into the trees or into the what? squash or into I the know. zucchini. Well, that's what I said. I was like, my garden is proof that if you pour love and intention into something, it will grow, right? And nice. it's the same thing for these businesses. You know, today's post, I was just putting it up. You know, it's it's about how flowers don't look at competition; they just bloom. And that's really where it's at for me. There's a lot of people in the food space hundreds of people in the food space, people with, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I'm just so grateful that there's room for my little voice. That's not so little. <laughs> well, I want to ask you a question. I saw you tapping and I just finished reading this book. I don't know if you know this book, Nick Ortner. Yes, I do. I've met, I've met his sister. I think I've met him too. 
that's so funny. I just finished this book like maybe January. And then I saw you. I was like, oh, yeah, I know about this tapping situation. Yes, I think that's very positive, very positive, very positive. But yeah, but I do want to thank you for having me on. You know, anytime I can, you know, connect with a, a, a fellow soul, you know, we really, you know, everyone has a ministry. We can touch, you can touch eight people. I can touch six people. That's 14 people whose lives are different because we took the time to listen and to be there, right? So it doesn't have to be 1.4 million people. I'll take the 14 people, right? I love that. Yeah, that's so interesting, particularly in our world of ambassadors and influencers. It can be very easy to compare. I call it compare and despair, right? You're mm-hmm. scrolling and trolling because you're seeing all of the other stuff as opposed to focusing on, right? each individual life that can be touched and, and those that we don't even know, right? Someone that Absolutely. reads a post, listens to a podcast, Absolutely. Um, attends a workshop, they, we don't always get that, right? So remembering that there are the unseen, the unknown lives that we are Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. I mean, I get all emotional anytime somebody sends me a note and says, I found you at the beat. I, I saw something you did. And because of you, I did this. I love when I see complete strangers in a black girls eat t-shirt, like what, you know, like, you know, somebody like I bought one for me and my mama, you know, I think that is so, so dope. And I'm so excited about the future for black girls eat, um, all the partnerships, all the TV shows, um, all the content that I'm developing. I'm very, very excited. I'm very, very excited working on these children's books. I'm trying to get the concept of plant-based nutrition in the hands of young people. I just, I just, I'm having a lot of fun. It really, I, I thank God for putting it on my heart and I'm just grateful for, you know, <laughs> I'm grateful for my puppy who is just like enough already with this podcast. No, and I'm just grateful for the opportunity to connect and to vibe. And, you know, I always encourage folks to realize like there's more than enough out here for all of us. Absolutely. We do not have to operate in lack. Right? Very, very true. Very true. Um, yeah, and yeah. I think you said it earlier, but where can our listeners learn more about you and, and your work? Yes, yes. You should definitely find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Real Black Girls Eat. Um, and you can hang out with me on the website at blackgirlseat.com for sure. And if you want to hear our podcast, which I make all the podcasts about 20 to 25 minutes long, uh, you can find The Black Girls Eat podcast on all platforms. Fantastic. So that's at the real girl black girls the real black girls eat so i yeah let me tell you the story about the real black girls eat so apparently uh i got the trademark for black girls eat which is was great uh last whatever 10 years and you can just keep reapplying but in social media someone already had taken black girls eat and so i had to make a choice my attorney was like well you could be the official black girls eat or you can be the real black girls eat i'm like i'm gonna be the real black girls eat Um, And so that's how that started. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Origin stories. I always ask, what is your origin story? Because I think that that's such an important journey for people to hear, you know, for our listeners who may be entrepreneurs or people, you know, have side hustles, right? The sense Mm -hmm. that, you know, having an idea and how that idea comes to life into fruition. So Thank you. Thank you so much for for being here. Of course. And we should stay connected. 
let's get together this summer, please. Definitely. If you enjoyed this episode and haven't already subscribed, you can do so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. You also can connect with me on Instagram at coach underscore Colette for more inspiration on personal growth and wellness. Stay tuned for another episode of Coach Chat and get ready to start within to finish strong.